Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys here in Maryville. Uh, excited about everybody in Knoxville uh, tuning in and uh, what God is doing there. And of course, everybody that's watching online. If you've got a Bible, let's go to Philippians chapter 3. I uh, did want to update real quick. Thanks for everybody that gave a prayer request over the Christmas services. Uh, man, I have just really, really enjoyed praying for all those requests and uh, excited about how God is going to answer those in uh, this year. And and uh, it's been a sweet time of prayer for me. So um, about halfway through them, there were hundreds. So um, thank you for that. Uh, we are in a series called uh, Catch Your Breath. And I think at this time of year, when we come into the, the, the new year of January, we're or seem to be a little bit more aware that last year flew by, that time is going by fast. And because of the holidays and all the things that that entails, we tend to be really swamped and uh, we're, we're really, really busy and tired and just kind of seems like in the new year, we kind of feel out of breath and we're just living our life at a pace that we can't sustain often. And we're in a hurry and we're busy. And some of you would just be honest and say, yeah, I kind of feel like I am out of breath. Other th- others of you might say, the light in me is dim or maybe the light is actually out. I don't know what you would say today, but in this series, I wanna help you catch your breath and focus on what you need next, what you need to take your spiritual life to the next level. And so in order to help resource you in that endeavor, we started as a church, a 21 day prayer and fasting uh, series. And so what I wanna encourage you to do if you haven't started is to start today. We've got uh, hard copies at the doors at both locations for you to to follow along with. If you've missed some days, don't worry about it. Just start today and and keep up with it this week. Um, You can also find it online or on the app. And so I wanna encourage you to read that uh, scripture and and, uh, say that prayer to God and make that a part of your day. We've also uh, created a how to pray video course that if you're trying to begin a prayer life or just take your prayer life to the next level, that course I think will really help you. Again, go to our website, uh, uh, it's free. We've got a hundred days to read the New Testament. If, if reading the scripture is a part of your everyday life already, that would be a great challenge for you in this new year is take a hundred days and read through the New Testament. It's in a chronological order, which I love. And so uh, you can again, find that online. There's also reflect and review. Now I think it's important for us to reflect and review on what lessons God wanted us to learn in 2023 so that he doesn't have to take us through similar things to help us learn them this year, right? Let's learn what he wanted to teach us. And so that'll help you walk through some things uh, that will get your mind reflecting upon what God is doing. So those are some resources. Again, all of that is online. And we started in verse 12 of chapter three. If you've got a Bible, let's look at it again. Paul says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on. Everybody say press on. We are pressing on, right? And and, and last week we talked about finding joy in Christ. We talked about watching out for lies, looking out for the dogs that lie to us and and how to to avoid them and and refuse them. And so today we wanna really begin to focus on what it looks like to press on toward the right goal. That's what I wanna encourage you with today, pressing on towards the right goal. You see, in the new year, it's very common for us to think about new goals. And maybe you set some goals already. You know, I'm gonna grow my business, I'm gonna lose that weight, I'm gonna go to the gym, I'm gonna, whatever it is, all really good goals. 
Uh, but what's most important in our life is that you and I would focus on the right goals. And the problem is if we don't prioritize these right goals, then it's going to lead to burnout. The World Health Organization recognizes burnout as an occupational phenomenon resulting from chronic workplace stress that has, been, that has not been successfully managed. So we all have stress at work. Or if you're in college or school, like there's stress in, in school or there's stress at, at work. And, and, and burnout happens to those of us who tend not to be able to manage that stress. And so when we're burnt out, we like to blame our boss for overworking us and blame this and blame that. But really, it, it really kind of falls on us, really like taking responsibility that we're not handling uh, or managing that in the correct way. It's not a medical condition, but the characteristics of burnout can lead to poor mental health and poor uh, physical health as well. Here are some characteristics of burnout. Maybe you'll resonate. Number one, lack of energy and exhaustion. Some of you are asleep right now. Elbow your neighbor, make sure they're awake. Another characteristic is negative feelings towards your job, including frustration or a loss of a sense of purpose. And then finally, a, a reduction in the effectiveness of your job. And so you kind of lose being effective at what you do. Some of you resonate with that. There are all kinds of statistics you can look up online about burnout. Here are a few. 89% of workers have experienced burnout within the past year. 89%. That's a lot of people in the room. The burnout rate is 59% as of 2022, which is up 13.5% from 2021. We'll see. Probably escalating in 23 as well. 40% of workers have left their jobs due to burnout. It's a common problem. Numerous reports from the American Psychological Association found that employees who experience true workplace burnout have a 57% increase in being absent from work. So you're way more likely to call in and not go to work. And so if you're a boss and you've got somebody not showing up for work, that might be one of the reasons. 180% increase in the risk of developing depressive disorders. So a lot of like connection between those who might say, I'm dealing with depression today or, or I'm really down or sad, you know, maybe not clinically depressed or whatever, but there's a, there's a really close connection to burnout, overwork, and needing to catch your breath. If those stats are true, then it means that a lot of us are struggling with it today. And I think that's one of the reasons why God calls us to consistent prayer, consistent study of God's word, because it's in the study of God's word when we slow down our day, our mind and our spirit are meditating on the power of God, seeking the presence of God in our life, he refuels, recharges, settles our stress, settles our anxiety. We look to him, the one that holds the world in his hands. And, and we realize that the world is not in our hands. The weight, of the, show, the weight of the world is not on our shoulders. We place it on him. We come to the good shepherd that says, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, right? So let's go back to Philippians 3 and let's look at the next section of what Paul tells us to get our minds on. He says this in verse four. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else 
thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh. I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. <laughs> okay, so last week we learned focus on joy in Christ. We focused on uh, identifying the lies that we are believing. And he's talking about putting his faith in Christ. And he's talking about pressing on towards this goal. And he's saying, I'm not there yet. And as he's talking about pressing on towards this goal, he's, he's, he's letting us know that we, we press on by faith. It's not the work that we do, the religious work that we might do that earns us God's love or earns us heaven. It's, it's all about faith. And so he goes into this conversation about having confidence in the flesh. Now, having confidence in the flesh are basically his accomplishments, uh, his abilities, his own work, his obedience to God. And he's saying, I lived according to the law of Moses. I accomplished some great things in the name of God, in the name of religion. And he says, I have more reason to believe that my work would earn God's love and would earn heaven more so than any of you. That's what he's setting himself up as. And he's saying, I, if you think you're a good person, let me just tell you something. You're not as good as me. I have way more accomplishments. I've done way more good. I, I, I was born in the right family. I was circumcised on the right, on the eighth day. And so that means he's a true Israelite. He says, I've gone to ancestry.com. You can track me down to the tribe of Benjamin. Like I, I'm in the in group. Like I know where I come from. That's how good I have it, right? He's a Hebrew of Hebrews. What he means is he speaks the right language and he follows the right Jewish customs. He says that I am a Pharisee, which means that he believed the right things. He was a part of the right group of religious people. The, the, the top tier, like the really, really smart, wealthy guy, believer, religion, that's the one he was in. He said, I even have the most passion or zeal, so much so that he persecuted the church. He killed in the name of God. He calls himself blameless. And what he's saying there is I did everything right according to the Jewish laws, the Jewish religion. And I did it with passion. And he's saying, I consider all of those things, all of those accomplishments worthless now that I really understand who Christ is. And so if you think your accomplishments are anything good and you think that those good deeds or those you know, good things about yourself are gonna make you right with God, you're wrong. If you think that those good deeds are gonna get you into heaven, he's saying you're wrong. Instead, we've gotta focus on the right goal. And we do that, first of all, by rejecting self-righteousness. We reject self-righteousness. All of the things that he has listed come down to his righteousness, come down to what he has accomplished, his flesh, his work. And he's saying, I realized all of these accomplishments are not going to get me in to heaven. So are you and I guilty of self-righteousness? Let's talk about it for a second. Self-righteousness is trusting in your own goodness. It's trusting in your own work. It's believing and living like there are things that you can do to make yourself right with God. For example, here, here's an example that I hear a lot. When I ask people, what do you think it takes for a person to go to heaven? 
I often get this response that sounds like this. Well, I, I know I'm not perfect. I know I've messed up, but I'm living a pretty good life. I'm not that bad. And so hopefully God will let me into heaven. You know, I'm not as bad as most people. So God will let me in one day. And, and basically that mentality, if you ever said that or heard that, is a self-righteous attitude. And the reason why it's self-righteous is because you are trying to live a good life hoping and thinking that it's gonna be good enough to get you into heaven. You're trusting that your good behavior is gonna make you right before God. And Paul says, reject that kind of thinking because no good work will work. There's no amount of good work that you could do in your life. There's no accomplishments that you could make. There's no X number of dollars that you could give to somebody that would qualify you to enter heaven. He says it cannot be earned. Self-righteousness is also thinking that you are superior to other people. So you're, you're, what you think or your views are more superior than other people's views. And so this happens in the church all the time. My understanding of the second coming of Christ is way more, you know, is, is way better and more superior than yours. My understanding of the gifts, spiritual gifts, is, is way more superior than yours. My idea of how to run a church is way more superior than the way that you do it. It's the self-righteous mentality that says that my way is better than your way. And it begins to create your own standard then of righteousness. That's what self-righteousness is. It's thinking and creating your own standard there of righteousness. And Paul says, don't do it. No, your standard is not good enough. Your standard is not going to qualify you to, to, to make you better than other people. You're not gonna be made right because of the good that you do. It's important for us to grasp today. You and I cannot elevate our standard above what God's standard is. That's self-righteous thinking, that I know what is right and wrong and I'm not gonna trust in what God says is right or wrong. No matter how much good you do in your life, you're never gonna deserve God's love. You're never gonna deserve forgiveness. You're never gonna deserve heaven. Romans 3.10 clarifies, Paul says there, there's no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. There's your 2024 encouragement. Little bleak, isn't it? Little bleak. In our culture, it's becoming more and more difficult to convince people of this truth. When I talk to people, their belief is that I'm not that bad. And I certainly don't deserve hell. I certainly don't deserve punishment for my life. Sure, I've messed up, but I don't deserve that. The way I live is good enough. It should be good enough to get me in heaven. And if it's not, then God's not a fair God. And Paul is saying, no, the way that you live your life does not meet God's standard of perfection. And you might say that standard of perfection is too high. And yes, that's exactly the point. The point is the standard is too high for us to reach. And if God left us alone, you might think that God is unloving right? and that God doesn't care about us, but he didn't leave us alone. He came into the mess of this world. 
because of his great love for us that while you and I were sinners, before we were even born, Christ died for you. It's amazing grace. And so we can experience the forgiveness of Christ by faith in him. His righteousness becomes our righteousness. It's, it's attributed to us. God accepts us, not based on what we do, but based on what Christ has done. And so the question then becomes, if we're gonna reject self-righteousness, are you actually going to admit your sin? Are you going to admit that you were wrong? Are you going to admit to God that you have been trying to do this in your own power, in your own strength, according to your standards, instead of the way that he has called you to live your life, instead of the way that he has called you to experience forgiveness through Jesus? That's the question that we must wrestle with. Maybe you've been saved, you've been changed, but self-righteous thinking has you know, begun to impact your life. You're thinking more, I'm, I'm more superior, my way is better. You know, I, I, my way is right, your way is wrong. Arrogance has come into your life. You're tending to blame and become critical of other people. We've got to confess and reject that self-righteousness and make Jesus the goal. Let's keep going in verse seven. <clears throat> but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, garbage, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. What he's telling us here is that everything that I accomplished in my own strength that wasn't for Jesus or about Jesus, I consider it garbage. It'd be like some of us building a business, uh, having you know stuff, material possessions. It, it, it would be those that might consider themselves successful today, I've got all this stuff, I've got all these accolades, but I didn't do this for God. I didn't do this for Christ. I did it all for myself. And Paul is, is, is saying exactly that. Everything before Christ, I did for me. I said it was in the name of God, but it was all for me. And all of these amazing accomplishments that gave me money, power, wealth, influence, he says it's, it's, it's garbage. It's a waste of time. So the idea that you and I need to grasp is that we've got to center everything around Jesus. You got to center your family around Jesus. That's goal number one. I got to center my, my life. Do I have faith in Christ, first of all? I got to center my business on Jesus. I got to center my relationships on Jesus. Everything that I do, every, all of these major decisions that I make, where I'm going to go to college, who I'm going to marry, how many kids am I gonna have? It's not what do I feel like, it's what does God want me to do? What is God calling me to do? It's centering everything and every decision around Jesus. Paul realized his accomplishments meant nothing apart from knowing Jesus and he counts it all a loss. You see, we work and we work 
and we desire to get somewhere, but we have that awful feeling that we cannot get there and we don't even know where there is. And so we run around trying to make everybody happy, trying to build wealth, build a family, and we are dying for one moment that just kind of makes us feel alive. We run around trying to get a promotion, trying to make more money. We run around trying to build something that we can be proud of. We run around because culture tells us that we have to put our kids in sports. And so we spend thousands of dollars so that they can play and we travel all over the country so that they can play all in the name of our kids. But we've got to step back. We've got to ask the question and wonder like Paul, one day will we look back at our effort and our energy and the way that we spend our time and say, it's all worthless. It's garbage. I was chasing after the wind. I was, I, I said it was about my kids, but it was really about making myself feel good. I said it was about providing for them, but it was really about my ego. I didn't do it for God, I did it for me. And now it's just a bunch of stuff that I don't want. It's garbage. I want Jesus. If we could get there today and save ourselves years of regret, wouldn't it be worth it? Jesus, would you teach us today that we need to center everything around you? Can we bring glory to God by building a business Absolutely. When, when you dedicate it to him, when you serve and work as if you were working and serving the Lord, and when God blesses you with wealth, you use that wealth to bless the kingdom of God. Yes, you can do that in the name of God. You can build it with integrity instead of chasing the business practices of the world to make the extra buck. You focus on God, you can do that. Can you bring glory to God with sports? Absolutely. If you play for him, if you honor him, no, if you miss church every week. Paul's accomplishments were, were things that included great sin. He's, he's persecuted the church. He, he murdered people. He had to leave his old friends. He had to confess some pretty dark sins. He had to turn away from that lifestyle. He had to commit his life to Jesus by faith and God saved him. But then as he continued to live his life, he had to die daily. He had to turn from sin daily. So in verse eight, he says, for the sake of Jesus, I have suffered the loss of all things. Now the phrase have suffered means to forfeit or to cast away. So to suffer for Christ means that you forfeit whatever is necessary to follow him for the sake of following him, for the sake of knowing him, you are willing to give it up. That's what suffering for, for, for Christ begins to look like. We are letting it go for him. So are you willing to give it up to know Christ in a deeper way? Are you willing to give fill in the blank up so that you can know Christ in a deeper way. What, what do we have to give up? What is fill in the blank? Circle this phrase in verse eight, highlight it. He says, all things. You gotta be willing to let go of all things to know Christ. So we have to be willing to let go of our dreams, our control. God, I want this, but I want what you want. I trust your character to do 
what, what you wanna do. And so I lay it down, God. I, 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 I lay down my social status. I don't care what people say or think about me if they know I'm a Christian. God, I lay down my finances. I lay down my status. I, I lay it all down and, and, and I seek to know you. I lay down my political views, whatever that political view is. I lay it all down before you and I pick up the views that are in, in conjunction and, and are tied to and taught by the word of God. I, 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 want, I don't care what the culture says, but I do what you tell me to do. I lay everything down, all things. I forfeit, I cast it away. And so centering everything around Jesus means that we are depending on him in faith. Verse nine says that it's by faith in Jesus. We, we, we come to an understanding of knowing who Jesus is simply by faith. We don't, we don't come to this understanding by our work or our effort or our flesh. He says, when we center everything around Jesus, it means that we're depending upon him by faith. And so in verse 10, he says to know Christ, right, is to become like him. And so centering our life, our faith around him becomes this idea that we're committing everything that we do to him. We go wherever he calls us to go. We do whatever he's calling us to do. Why? So that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. I wanna experience his power. I wanna experience his presence. I don't wanna center my life around my power and what I want. I wanna center my life around what he wants. So to know Christ, verse 10, is to become like him in his death. What does that mean? Becoming like him in his death is, is, is a heavy concept, but it's really simple. It's been when we begin to surrender to him and submit our will to him, like Jesus surrendered his will to God, even to death, it is you and I saying, God, I surrender to your will. Just like Jesus surrendered his will, became a baby, lived in this world with us, and then ultimately bled on a cross, suffered, shame, humiliated, and paid for our sin on the cross. Just as Jesus surrendered to God's will, you and I are called to surrender everything to God by doing the same thing, submitting to God's will. So what if the adversity that you're in today is God's will for you? What if, what if God is trying to answer your prayer that you prayed, but in order to answer that prayer, he's got to take you through adversity. God, would you bless me in this area? God says, I sure will. I'm going to open up the door to some adversity because that's the only way that you're going to get to this answered prayer. So when we see from God's perspective, then we can say, okay, 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 God, I trust your character. I trust in the character of God to do the right thing. That's what faith is. Faith is saying, God, I trust your character no matter how difficult it is, no matter how much I don't understand what is going on in my life, I'm going to commit and know that you love me and that you care for me in this moment and that you're never late. You're not gonna abandon me. You do love me, you do care for me and you will show up right on time like you always do because you always do the right thing. That is trust, that is faith. And that's what it begins to look like in your prayer life every day. God, I don't understand this and I'm in pain and I am struggling, but I trust you. I have faith 
that you will answer, that you will do the right thing, even though it hurts right now. Psalm 23 says, even we walk through the valley of the shadow of death and right, we will fear no evil, but we sometimes forget that in, 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 right next to the valley is the mountaintop. Some of us are, are really close to the mountaintop experience, but to get there, God's gonna take us through this valley. And as you walk in that shadow of death, he says, trust me, lay your fear down. We've gotta reject self-righteousness. We've gotta center everything on Jesus. Paul says, I haven't obtained it all. I'm not totally there. I haven't found my joy in Christ. I haven't identified all the lies. I still sometimes live a self-righteous life. I still struggle to put Jesus at the center. But, but here's the thing. I've not arrived. I've got a long way to go, but I am pressing on, right? I'm pressing on. That's what this year is for you. Here's the final, final phrase here. He calls us to forget. He calls us to focus on the goal of knowing Jesus. Right? We've got to forget and we've got to focus on the goal of knowing Jesus. Now let's look at the, look at the passage of Scripture here. He says, not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect. We've, we've been covering this, but he's going to press on. He's going to, he's going to make it my own. And his motivation is not to make it his own so that He's a millionaire or that people give him awards and that, you know, he, he's popular on social media. No, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. See, what this journey looks like is you finally embracing your identity in Christ, who you are in Christ, not who you were, but who you are in Christ. You have been saved and redeemed. You've been made a child of God. You've been given the Spirit of God with the power inside of you to overcome sin, shame, guilt, addiction. You believe lies that you're not loved or good enough. You believe lies that you're alone. And God says, no, 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 no. That's the old you. That's how it used to be. But now that you're a child of God, you are loved. You have purpose. You have a family. I know everything that you're going through and it's all for a purpose. And and I, I want you to make that identity your own because I've given it to you and you have to press on toward that. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own. I love that. Like I haven't made it my own. I'm still working on it. Like we're all, we're all in that effort. But he says, one thing I do know. Here's the one thing I know. You got a million questions. You want God to answer a million prayers. But what if one thing could change 24 for you? Here's what I know, he says. Forgetting what lies behind. <laughs> You've heard it before. This is not new information. 2023 is over. You can't go back. You can't go back to the early 2000s when your kids were little. You can't go back to 19, whatever, however old you are to make it right. The past is in the past. 
So the only thing that you really have is this moment right now. And forgetting doesn't mean that you don't recollect it in your mind anymore. The idea of forgiving is, is releasing the guilt and shame from that moment. Releasing the guilt and shame of that situation. And when you have been born again, God allows that sin to be forgiven. And so this, if there's any shame remaining, that's not coming from Him, that's coming from the enemy. And that's you being undisciplined with your thoughts. You can release that. You can confess that. You can, you can change your mind from thinking about that in that way. And you can forget on what lies behind and you can do the opposite by straining forward to what lies ahead, right? Straining forward to the future. Press on, mind focused on the future, not on the past. Mind pressing on towards what I can do. Mind pressing on towards the hope that I have in Jesus. He says, I press on. There are gonna be mountains and valleys and there's gonna be storms in life. But as they come, we are anchored in our faith in Jesus because we are marching towards and pressing towards the goal. Like there's a bigger goal than business and family and kids. Like this is the goal, right? What is the goal of all goals? I press on toward the goal for the prize, side note, that's a whole sermon. There's a whole prize. Like this is the ultimate goal, which is the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So the goal then becomes this calling that He gives to us. That's the ultimate call. That's the ultimate goal. Pursuing Him, knowing Jesus, trusting Jesus, following Jesus. Everything else is garbage. And so I, I, I've got to let go of the past. I've got, to, I've got to release guilt and shame. That might mean you need to ask somebody to forgive you. You might need to say, I'm sorry. You might need to call somebody up. But then once you release it, you might need to repent of that. You say, I've already done it. You maybe need to do it again today. Release it again today and then release it and just say, no more, no more. I'm straining and pressing on towards the future that God has for me. I wanna embrace my identity that He has forgiven me. I know if you've ever watched this movie, it's gonna date me a little bit, uh, but City Slickers, anybody seen City Slickers? I think it was a 90s movie. I think you have to be over 40 to get this illustration, so sorry. But when I watched it in my 20s, I thought it was funny. But I've since watched it again. Now watching that movie in your 40s kind of hits different. And so, you know, it's about like a midlife crisis. And there's a guy named Phil that hates his life. He hates his job, his father-in-law. He works for his father-in-law and he like bullies him and he hates it. He hates his marriage and he ended up having an affair. and. Just he, his life is a wreck. And um, he goes on the trip, you know, with the guys, they're moving cattle across the uh, plains or whatever. And 
he has a breaking moment in the movie and he like, there's, there's like these bad guys, he pulls a gun on them and, and stands up for himself. It's like this moment of courage. And, but then after that, he has his total meltdown, like this total breakdown. And he goes into his tent by himself and his, his friend, Mitch, Billy Crystal, you know who that is. And uh, he goes in there to talk to him. And the breakdown is like this. He, he's like, I'm almost 40 and my life is over. My marriage has ended. I hate my work. I don't have anything to show for it. I'm a loser. I am a mess. My life is over. And Mitch says, hey, remember when we were kids and we used to play wiffle ball in the backyard? And we'd hit, we'd hit one and, and, and the ball would get stuck in a tree. And when that happened, we would all yell, do over, do over. Mitch said, hey, your life, your life is a do-over. In other words, you have a second chance. You get a second chance right here, right now to make things different, to make your future different. Now, what the movie doesn't get into is it's not just a second chance. What Jesus offers you when you confess and repent, turn away from sin and decide to live for Him. And even as a believer, we're gonna mess up and we're gonna sin and make mistakes. But, but as a believer, when that happens, when we repent, when we confess, it's like, it's like embracing this straining forward, forgetting in the past do-over moment where God continually gives you a moment to walk with Him, to let go of sin, to experience His forgiveness in a fresh and new way. And, and, and when you begin to live your life in this cycle, the cycle of, okay, I'm trying to live for Jesus, I sin, instead of blame, reject my part, cycle, do it again, I'm living for Jesus, I, I sin, I, I repent and confess, I ask for forgiveness for people that I hurt, I live for Jesus, right? In fact, that's probably one of the most basic but most important things that you can learn in marriage. Because the problem with marriage is that we're, we're so defensive about being right or how we did it that we get in arguments about who left the jar of ketchup, you know, out on the counter. And it's like, who cares about that? And all these other things build up. And it's like, can, can, we, can we get in the habit of just owning it? Just own it. I messed up there. That was bad. I'm sorry. Forgive me. No restoring that. That's like the, the, I think the most basic number one thing. And in so many ways, when we follow Jesus, this, this is what it means to like walk with Him. It's like live for Him, mess up, confess and restore, admitting, walk with Him to know Christ. My heart and my prayer in this series is, is that you would begin to experience a brand new like way of knowing Him and living with Him because we catch our breath. We, we, we begin to let go of the past. We begin to keep our eyes and focus on Him, making knowing Him the goal. And so I wanna give you an opportunity to just have a moment of prayer with Him today and catch your breath. Let's bow together. Father, all over this room, 
there are prayers, there are hurts, there are questions. Lord, would you hear our prayer right now? Would you hear the desires of our hearts, the questions of our hearts? And would everyone here today, everyone in Knoxville, everyone watching online, would you just have a moment of confession with God? Confessing whatever sin has been brought back up in your life. Whatever old sin that continually has a hold on you or that brings that guilt and shame, would you lay it down again? Would you commit to knowing Christ, forsaking all, trusting His will, trusting His character? Lord Jesus, all, all, every single one of us, Lord, we need Your grace, we need Your love and truth. Lord, would You just speak to our hearts today, hear our prayer, restore the joy of our salvation to those who have lost it. For those still struggling with guilt and shame in their past, Lord, would you release them in the name of Jesus, that you would release them from the lies that they believe and from anything that would be causing them to believe that, would you just protect them and guard them from those thoughts? Would you help our mind and attention and focus, Jesus, to be focused straining towards the future that you have for us. We belong to you. And so we would, we would ask that you would help us to focus on our upward call today. And we pray that in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you so much for watching this video. We'd love for you to like this video and leave a comment. We'd also like to encourage you to subscribe and click the bell so you never miss an upload from Foothills Church. To learn more about FC, you can go to our website, foothillschurch.com, or by clicking the link in the description below.